today a wonderful author who has a very interesting routine in the morning, apparently, so I've read. He writes, and it can be anything from short or long fiction to plays or opera or poetry. And in the afternoon, he practices medicine, which he says is a perfect balance. Certainly been a very productive one. Five novels, five collections of stories, three books of poetry, stage adaptations of his novels, two opera libretti. Today, we're talking to Peter Goldsworthy about his writing and his latest collection of short stories, which is called Gravel. Peter, lovely to have you on the program. Nice to be over there, just virtually. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first story you can remember writing? A uh, science fiction story, I think. Um, called, I think it was called Destination Mars or The Rings of Saturn or something. My uh, eleven, I was 11 and uh, it was my group of friends and I sort of cavorting around the galaxy in sort of pre-Star Wars, Star Wars. Did it see the light of day even to you know other friends or a, a parent or a cluey teacher? Oh, yes. No, no. I had, uh, a friend uh, and I used to competitively write these uh, over the course of a couple of years. And at the end of each year, we bound them together, as well as a, a magazine we used to put out, which was very originally called Insane and uh, you know, <laughs> modelled on the, the copy of Mad magazine we, we unearthed in a town dump one day uh, in these great thick annuals. And everyone used to read them. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you had an audience very early. Well, with five or six friends. And I remember once I was writing one under the desk, having you know, finished my mental quickly or whatever, and um, one of these, and they're always exactly one exercise book long, 44, 48 pages, these novels. So, And the teacher came and confiscated it, and then he returned to me with red bio all through it, corrections, and I was outraged. <laughs> you know, would he do this to, um, you know, Dickens? <laughs> so writing for you was um, something, obviously, that you, you enjoyed. It, it sounds a bit like something that came very naturally. Uh, well, I enjoyed it, and um, I think I think you know things have come naturally. You know, I, I sort of believe in that uh, what is the Malcolm Gladwell theory that the ten thousand hours you put in to, to if you're mm. going to be good at anything, and uh, then it comes naturally. But uh, maybe it, uh, there was a certain ease in the way we we used to write back then, um, a carelessness perhaps, which was probably useful. You didn't you weren't thinking is is that line good or not, and. Uh, so it's probably a good way to start, is to pour stuff out. In fact, I suppose the way I still write is pour the stuff out and then, you know, trim it back afterwards. Then do that the hard, the hard yucca. The writer Anne Lamott, um, the woman who wrote Bird by Bird, says that the first draft is the getting down draft. So you, you get it all down, and the sec second one I think is the the up draft where you fix it up, and the third one is the dental draft where you kind of you know make sure that all the things are holding. Updrafts and downdrafts, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a great line in uh, Pascal which I had uh, uh, above my computer, and he, Blaise Pascal, the uh, theologian and philosopher, said he wrote a very long letter to a friend, and at the end he said, "I'm sorry to write such a long letter. If I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter." <laughs> and really, that's the principle. Well, not you know, short story writing clearly, but of, of novels as well. It's a matter of um, you know, bringing it back and. and not trying to spell out so much or making, making one line do the work of two lines or three lines and that sort of hidden iceberg beneath the surface. When did you begin writing in earnest or did you continue writing from as a child? I'm just interested because you went into medicine and I'm wondering where writing figured in your, you know, your vision of a future life. Oh, I, I, look, I, I, I wrote poetry through my medical school. There wasn't really time to write anything of any length, even if I felt the urge. But I, I didn't really believe in novels for a long time, I um, I liked short stories and poetry. They seemed more natural to me. I, the, the novels I read, I mean, it was a, just my own sort of problem, not the novels' problem, but it seemed to me like opera, you know, collections of good bits. And 
tissue uh, seemed pretty boring in a lot of the novels I read. But it took me a long time to discover, and it, I guess partly that uh, I worked it out through writing my own novels, which slowly got longer and longer the more I felt, you know, comfortable with the long journey, that the, uh, the taking a trip into a fully imagined world at, at some length. But I still love the short story. I think you know, it's human beings all over the world tell, tell the same sort of stories and always have and always will. It's 20 past one on afternoons. You're listening to Dr Peter Goldsworthy, who is at his medical practice this afternoon, so we're um, poaching him away from his patients while he talks to us about his latest collection of short stories called Gravel. Um, I have a confession to make, and, and that is that when I was reading these, I started the, which number is it, the second short story, Shooting the Dog, and I just... I had to read it in two parts, and I wasn't sure if I could come back to the end. I have a 14-year-old dog who, you know, is, is, is getting to that age, but it was so painful. I wonder if you might just tell us where that story started. Um, well, I don't know, my sister lives on the land. I have working dogs, and I grew up in the country, and there are always working dogs around. I mean, I have dogs now, but they're small dogs, you know, city dogs. And I love dogs, and I really love dogs. And we know they they feel pretty much a full gamut of feelings themselves from, you know, jealousies to loves and the most loyal kind of love. So, and, and, but that story originated, I mean, I suppose shooting the dog gives it away in a way, but it's, it's, it's shooting the dog with a vengeance, really, isn't it? It's the shooting the dog story from hell. And uh, but it's based on a, a, a true story that my, my wife related to me from when she was a young teacher, you know, 21 out in, out in the sticks. And, uh, uh, it was just such an amazing and, and shocking, but also you know, terribly moving story that uh, I wanted to tell it at, at a greater length and try and flesh out the bones of that story. Look, I, I think the stories that we always remember, even from childhood, uh, are often a little bit difficult. They challenge us. They, uh, I mean, they can be amusing on the surface or mysterious on the surface, but they often have a hard, hard kernel, a little bit of gravel, if you like, that sticks in our mental shoe and uh, that sort of confronts us and makes us think a bit more deeply and, and slowly about things even after the story has passed. And that's one of them, I think. That's interesting the way you use gravel in that sense. It's a bit like the grit in the oyster, is it? You know, because you produce something really beautiful out of that, um, about the rubbing, the friction, the kind of mind going back and forth. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, I'd, I'd, like, my, I'd like my stories to be easy to read and I'd like them to have a certain, you know, maybe comedy, if you like, as, or even poetry as they're flowing. That's the ideal anyway. I succeed, but I do like them to stick in the head, and uh, maybe you know. As, and I'm the first reader. Uh, the writer is the first reader, and that's I guess part of the pleasure of writing. Is you don't know where you're going, you, but you do know when you finish that you have to be somewhere that is psychologically true. So, you know, something that uh, is real, and uh, you feel it's inevitable that you got there. And that's at the same paradoxically at the same time a good story. The good story continually surprises us. But at almost the same time, or a millisecond after, we're thinking, yes, I'm surprised, but of course, that's the only thing that could have happened. Mm. And that's what I'd like, to, I'd like to hope people would come away with from some of these stories. Um, there was a story in there about, um, let me describe it as ugly parent syndrome. It's uh, called The Bet. And perhaps you'd set it up for, for those people who haven't yet got a copy of your book. Well, it's two, uh, two soccer coaches who both, whose sons are both playing in their respective teams and uh, who, who each son is a star of the team and they become more and more competitive and uh, they just, I guess it, it ends up in the worst case of badly behaved fathers uh, who also happen to be the coaches after the match. Um, 
they decide to race their sons to prove who's the fastest. And uh, what's called the bet, so I guess that gives it away a bit. Um, and, you know, I, well, I coached football for many years, soccer, and, uh, and you see badly behaved parents. You, have, you feel the impulses in yourself which you control, but I, that sprang out of a, an incident that uh, didn't ever get to that point. But I was thinking after the game, well, what if, what if, what if that terrible urge, primitive urge, had actually been I'd acted on it, and uh, or you know, the other coach had acted on it, and you know how how it would have really been quite disgraceful to take it to that. So at some some at some point, a lot of these stories are, I guess, philosophical hypotheticals. You're taking things to the to a ridiculous degree, or following them, teasing them out in directions that they that normal civilised restraint prevented them from going, just to see what does happen. And, and it's interesting because um, Mick, who's one of the coaches, is you, you first meet him as he's with the boys. I think they're at half-time or three-quarters time, and he can hear this other coach on the other side of the wall going off at his players, and he's thinking this guy is a shocker. You know, he's mm. clearly an ugly parent, and yet it's Mick who ends up almost being worse. And that, that journey sort of down, it's... It's all the more shocking because he's the nice parent to begin with. That's right. He's a nice gentleman, Africa soccer coach. And uh, I think it's always interesting to see. It's, I guess it's the Lord of the Flies story. What happens when we peel away the layers? You know, what is inside all of us? And certainly, you know, I've, um, you know, and also I like, I've always liked seeing people hoist on the petard of their own hypocrisy, really, in some some level, even if they're not aware of it. And I, you know, I even. Even myself, it's been very uncomfortable when my hypocrisies are pointed out to, to me, but it's always a useful and salutary lesson for me to learn those things about myself. I think. Are there any... What is the story in this, if there is one, that is closest to you and your own experience? Um, gee, that's a hard one to say. I think... Well, the first one, I think. The nun uh, story. The nun story, yes. Which is, <laughs> funny enough, sort of a fugitive chapter from my last novel, uh, Everything I Knew. I felt it didn't belong there, and the boy is actually two years younger in this in that story in the book. Again, would you would you set this up for our listeners? Uh, a young a young boy in the country is uh, having his weekly lessons, piano lessons at the at the convent with a, a very lovely young nun, and um, he has a crush on her. She's sort of the most beautiful woman in town, really, but then he only ever sees her sort of perfect face. And doesn't his dad talk about her and say, "Ah, oh, what a waste." Dad's got a bit of a crush on her too. Finds reasons to come uh, to the lessons, and so look, it's a it's a long step from my own childhood. But I had a, a particularly gentle and um, and, and kind uh, piano teacher who was a nun, and uh, it's uh, I remember I was quite astonished when she told me they were going on a summer holiday. The nuns, I thought you know nuns lived a life of sort of frugal self denial, and they were going on a beach holiday. And I, I asked her, what, "What are you going to do there?" And she said, "Well, we're going to go swimming, silly." And I said, you know, I think, what in? I was about 10, 11. And because I thought, you're going to drown if you go. You know, I thought, at that stage, I sort of thought nuns were sewn into their habits. And uh, as, as most of us did who were yeah. brought up with nuns. And um, she said, no, we have, you know, silly, we have swimming suits. And she said, would you like to see it? And um, <laughs> so, um, in fact, I mean, the story ends a little bit differently to, to what happened in that lesson of mine. But... Um, I thought, well, I'll just tease that out a little bit further. <laughs> Very that's interesting. Probably the, that's probably the nicest, the, the, and what's the, the word? Gentlest. The gentlest. story. Yes, it's, um, it's, it's fascinating to me to know of what was going on in the nun's head at that time. Um, just before we go, because we do have to end, um, I've read an interview in which you said you find medicine and writing complementary. 
How so? Ah, uh, well, um, the, the, the stories. Like, well, first of all, the human contact is writing's very lonely, and it's wonderful to have the human contact in the afternoon with my patients. Secondly, they give you so many you know, ideas and the, the stakes are often very high in their lives and you do see human nature at its most extreme, but also at its most noble often. And perhaps I'll just finish with a story. Of, you know, I had an 86-year-old uh, reasonably recently who was in palliative care and uh, died of cancer and uh, I gave her a shot of morphine one day and you know, I brought the injection up, I said, and had the tourniquet on. I said, it's, it's just a little prick. She said, it doesn't matter to you, you have nice eyes. <laughs> Now, and you said, I'm sorry, but I have to use that. Well, you know, what, a, what, a, what an encapsulation of character, Geraldine. You know, what a, what a, how, how few words to say so much. I mean, you, you feel you know this woman at some level now. You, well, you know her character. Yes. And what, what a person, what a sterling person she is in the face of the unspeakable to be coming up with, you know, that kind of good humour. I mean, so those lines, getting back to what, how we began the interview, I suppose, they, they contain so much information, which is, which is what a good sto- short story is about. It's packing a lot of punch into you know, a minimal space, I think. Well, all of us hope you keep on writing them. Lovely collection of stories. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Geraldine.